in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Hey, everybody! Hello. Thanks for listening again. Indeed, you're on the air with Nora over here, and I'm Holly. <laughs> and thanks for tuning in.、Mm-hmm. Say, Holly. Yes. Were you here when the police came looking for me at the office? No. Oh, apparently,、What? yeah. Apparently, Ian told me today. Our CTO told me that the police came looking for me at the office. I thought maybe they、What? were also looking for you. Uh, this week, sometime, <laughs> yeah, yeah.、Well. So apparently,、uh, President Xi Jinping is coming to Hong Kong, and so they're checking the whereabouts of all these foreigners, figure out where they are.、Wow. Apparently, I must be a security、oh, threat,、no. or maybe it's just a spot check. Maybe do so. You, do you think you are <laughs> security risk? I have been stalking him, but <laughs> I thought that I was doing it secretly enough. <laughs> Only in China, it's like he's not、It's、even、so、coming、bizarre. to Shenzhen, but he's coming to Hong Kong. But then they're checking the whereabouts of like all these foreigners in Shenzhen,、wow. make sure everything is up to standard. So it's、crazy. pretty tight security. It's yeah. craziness. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure you you are where you say you are. I、Maybe. guess so. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> well, that's interesting. Um, we we had a message from、uh, Jennifer, and、uh, she said, "Hi, Holly and Nora. Just wanted to say that I love your show, and I started listening because my family is hosting a Chinese、uh, au pair here in California. So I wanted to learn more about life,、uh, what life was like at home before she arrived, so I could try and make the cultural transition a little easier on her. So far, she con- confirms everything you've told me. Yes." Yeah, <laughs> I have a random question. Do Westerners in China ever take on Chinese names the same way Chinese people do when they live and work in the West? It sounds so funny to hear my old pair speak in Mandarin and then occasionally break to say my children's very white names. <laughs> so、um, the reason this isn't a proper question is that we kind of already answered this in episode eighty-six when、uh, Patrick asked us about Chinese names. But I felt as though her question was slightly different because it's more about like、uh, when she's meant when she mentioned about her au pair like speaking in Mandarin and breaking to add English words. Actually, that's to me that's quite rare. They often tr- like trans、uh, use like transliteration to change a Western name in like to use Chinese characters to make it sound more Chinese. Like your this they call you like. Nola, right?、Mm-hmm. And mine is like Holly. Basically, that's what they call me. Even though I've said my name is Holly, you know,、mm-hmm. like they always make it sound more Chinese. So I, I thought,、uh, you know, we 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 couldn't make a full episode, but just to answer it in a, you know, in a little message. Sure. Yeah. No, I I agree with you. A lot of times they'll just kind of because. China has, unlike English, like English borrows so many sounds from other languages,、mm-hmm. and so we have almost like an infinite number of sounds in English. I feel like,、um, but with Chinese, there's only a set of like phonetics that can potentially exist in the language. Any word that they use that comes from a foreign source is like. Chineseified, yeah, like Chineseified. I was、yeah. gonna say this. Use the same phrase. I'm、yeah. sure there's a more technical term for that, <laughs> but like. All the brand names and stuff like that. Like if you say like Marlboro, it's like Wambaolu. Yeah. Like they have everything is like McDonald's, Maidangla. 
Yeah, and so they have like all these ways to, and sometimes it's just a transliteration, but other times it actually has a meaning. Like sometimes you can find a good, um, like a translation, I guess. Like Coca Cola is always the classic example. That's a great one, actually. Yeah, because they did clever. a really good job. Like Coca Cola in Chinese is Coca Cola, which sounds very much like Coca Cola, but also the meaning is like. It's like happy yeah. cola. It has a really yeah. nice meaning in Chinese too. So it's one mm-hmm. of those really good examples where you can find a good translation. But most of the time, it's just the sound that they use is borrowed. Yeah. The another uh, another one I like is Maybelline, which is like uh, Maybelline, mm-hmm. uh, which is like it's it's sort of like beautiful jade or something mm-hmm. like that it translates really well um we've got a couple of um articles on written chinese about it about it actually which oh are quite nice. interesting. about brands in particular about how they've been changed from their western names to chinese yeah sometimes they'll cool. just literally like translate the word itself like with apple in chinese it's pinguo which just means app an apple yeah. like the fruit um so sometimes they do that but yeah yeah it's interesting Although I've noticed more and more in China, and this is kind of um, like a popular thing, is that they try more and more to use English words in their own daily mm-hmm. language. Even, slang especially. Yeah, <laughs> like you hear them speaking in Chinese and then they'll say like, oh my god. You know, they're trying to say like, oh my god. And it, to them, makes it sound like really, like a lot of Western. times when they see you, when they see a foreigner around, then they try to like pepper in some English into their Chinese mm. to sound like they're more, I don't know, I guess, knowledgeable yeah. in English or something like that. Because I'll, I'll often notice that suddenly people are throwing in, once they notice that I'm standing there, even like in random places in the subway or in an elevator, <laughs> then you start, past them. yeah, then all of a sudden when they pick up their phone, <laughs> they, say, they hello say hello instead of saying way, which is a Chinese way of um, answering your phone way. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, <clears throat> maybe this au pair is trying to, like trying her best to, to I don't know, just learn some English by mm. using the... Although I, I, I assume that if she's in Cal- I mean, if she's living with them, she must speak English anyway. Uh, that's my. I mean, I'm assume- I'm just assuming. Yeah, you're right. Um, but Jennifer, uh, Jennifer hasn't said that she speaks Chinese, so I'm assuming that the op-ed speaks English. Sometimes too, because they'll give themselves English names. Like we, like Holly mentioned, we talked more about this in episode eighty-six. But mm. um, and then they'll use those between each other. So even though they're yeah. speaking to their like it's cooler to call Mm. each other by their foreign names sometimes like sometimes i hear them referring to each other in these foreign names yeah which is really funny yeah even in the office i often hear like chanson refers to uh, one of our other colleagues always as alan like i always hear her call him alan and Mm -hmm. never by his chinese name right yeah i think also cantonese because like okay alan is cantonese Mm. um I think they're also really used to, like, our CEO is also Cantonese. Mm-hmm. And so they're really used to, like, okay, so how to explain this exactly? Like, Cantonese, because of its um, exposure to foreign cultures for such a long history, yeah. like, the language itself have kind of has kind of evolved <clears throat> to include... English words oh, listening to that in language it. is so, yeah. so interesting. So when you're in Hong Kong, it's like you hear the Cantonese and then they usually use they 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 kind of cherry pick like 
Yeah. Obviously, some words in English or in Cantonese, they don't have a direct translation with each、mm-hmm. other. So they'll choose whichever one is closest to the meaning that they want. Especially when it comes to software, because in software,、mm-hmm. a lot of the language is. It, that's used in programming and in technology is English because it's whoever invented the technology first, and often there isn't、uh, like an official source who translates these into a different language. So they'll、mm. use the they'll use the original English in the. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's really funny. It's、yeah. like like Gong Dai Wa social media, blah, 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 blah,、yeah. you know, like. <laughs> Yeah. Like always speaking some Cantonese mixed in with、uh, English, kind、yeah. of. It makes it very interesting. I've I've had like meetings go on, like next to our、uh, room, and I've I've just thought, who's in there? Like <laughs> who? Like what's going on? It's just it's it, it's cool, but also a bit crazy. Yeah, one of our previous colleagues. So he's born in、uh, Guangzhou, like raised in Guangzhou, but speaks English. Pretty much fluently,、mm-hmm. and also speaks Cantonese. So he speaks. He's basically like trilingual, really trilingual.、Um, and he will choose between the three languages. So when I'm talking to him, he's often speaking in English for the most part, and then he just、He'll、like drop a word. Yeah, yeah he、right. like throw in a Cantonese or a, a Mandarin word if it has a more accurate meaning for、mm. what he wants to say. That's cool, though. That's how in a way that's how it should be. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. Just like. Because that's the most like it's going for accuracy, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like there's some words in.、Uh, I, I guess this is a really simplified example, but for example, how like really unless you, I don't know, use a really long explanation. How do you translate "bouter"? Like yeah, that's I just call that. All, yeah, bouter. Yeah, we do、time. the same thing. True, yeah, yeah. true. I would never, I would never say, oh, it's a steam bun with. Delicious food inside, like <laughs> Chinese、no. Han Bao Bao. That's what、it's, I would call it. No, <laughs> that's what they call it. Chinese Han Bao Bao, Chinese hamburger. And I, but I just don't think it, I. I don't think that's a not a very accurate way of describing it. True, true. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I'm really curious to know how the op here. I'm glad、yeah. that she's confirming again our、uh, our random.、Yeah. Um, chat Ch- about China. Definitely. Actually, I think um, um, earlier last week, I think I, I posted a video of、um, a guy. So he's eating noodles, and instead of so the, ugh, eating noodles here is just so.、Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just a mess、um, because the noodles are super long, and you just. The guy's wearing a white white shirt, so it totally makes sense for him to do this. So he he takes the noodles and he snips the bottom of the noodles off with scissors, which I would love to do. <laughs> like if that becomes like standard etiquette, I'm all for it.、Um, he's a Chinese guy. He's a Chinese guy eating noodles, and he just snips the bottom of the noodles off and eats the noodles. It's it's brilliant. And she, and、uh, so Jennifer had asked. I think it's the au pair, and she because she tagged her in the question.、Um, oh, is this how it's done? And she's like, no. <laughs> So, oh man! Yeah, probably. For,、uh, I I imagine a lot of other, like Chinese people might be horrified by this, but to me, it just makes complete sense. Yeah, you basically <laughs> have to like stick your whole head、yeah. into the bowl、Otherwise、and slurp. Otherwise, you just get the sauce everywhere. Yeah, it's like eating. I mean, it's 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 even worse than eating spaghetti, in my opinion. Oh yeah, because at least <laughs> spaghetti you can kind of twirl it around on your fork yeah, and your like fork, use yeah, a spoon and stuff. But this, forget it. And if you try and be polite. Or, or by 
Western standards try and be polite because you think, oh no, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make all that noise, or I'm gonna flick the sauce everywhere. Just forget it. Yeah. No. Yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So our uh, news article today was uh, Nora actually sent me this earlier this morning. I did have another article, but this tops it by far. So. <laughs> Uh, this is basically about a guy, Chinese guy, who gets fined um, for... He, he basically cut the roof of his car to make it look like a convertible. <laughs> and he's been fined uh, because obviously it doesn't... Um, it goes against, like, I want to say health and safety, but it's not health and safety. I guess it's some sort of standard, Chinese standard. Um, yeah, so it says that he was trying to flee uh, he, after he was spotted by police in Loping County in Yunnan province, um, but he was caught by traffic uh, officers. And uh, the, the man, aged 26, whose full name has not been given in the reports, was driving a car in poor condition, which was overdue for an official inspection and service. Okay, so that's why. <laughs> and he was buying 400 yuan, which is about 60 US dollars, and three points taken off his driving license, which is obviously far worse than the the fine, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how many points they get on their licenses here. Uh, I don't know. I imagine it's pretty strict. Yeah, probably. Um, but also at the bottom of this, there was also another story about a guy who was fined for trying to pass his car off as a Porsche. <laughs> Like, just, just stick out one of those yeah. medallions or yeah. whatever on yeah. it. <laughs> he, so he's, he gets caught, and he's, he basically, he's, he admitted that he bought the badges and stickers online, which only cost him about 200 quai, and he's just decorated the car with these, with, with posh stickers, basically. Uh, and he was fined 500 yuan, which is about $70. Um, uh, the, the main issue is that, obviously, the car... He's trying to pass it off as a Porsche, and that doesn't match the registration details of the oh. original model. <laughs> oh, man. It's great. That is great. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit, like, there's a stereotype, and kind of rightly so, but a lot of, like, Mexican people in the U.S. will, um, like, deck out. is like, very classic stereotype where they, like, put... So they take, like, a really standard, relatively inexpensive mm -hmm. car, and then they, like... Pimp it out. Yeah, pimp it out. Like, Pimp My Ride. Did you ever <laughs> yeah, see that I've TV show? Yeah, I've seen it. It's so great. Yeah, so they'll put, like, hyd hydraulics on it, and then they'll put, like, racing stripes yeah, yeah. and, like, one of those spoilers on the back, and then, like, crazy sound system. And so by the yeah. end of it, all the stuff is worth way more than the car is. The car is just, like, a shell to transport all the stuff that yeah, goes with it. I have a pretty bad image like stereotypical image in my head that i've probably gotten from movies or whatever yeah well i've definitely seen it quite a few in times real in real life yeah. so yeah and you have like lights they always have yes. like and tinted windows and they often also get um pulled over and have problems because they think they can just do whatever they want they're not really i think a lot of them aren't really aware of their of the regulations like you can't just tint your windows black right like you need to be able to see like it needs sure. to be you know, uh, acceptable, I don't know, they have there must some be standard. I'm sure there, there yeah. are, and, yeah. like, yeah, they can't just, like, have random lights, because obviously that's distracting to other drivers. But and you'll people see. might think they're cops, too. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so they, <laughs> I've seen a few really funny examples of this <laughs> in the U.S. Very funny. So it's a similar yeah, thing, yeah. like, these people, like, just, I mean, it's a relatively recent thing that, middle-class families can afford a car. So mm. I think some of them just going crazy with the freedom of it and uh, they want to look... Because it's a huge status. And, but we've we've mm. mentioned this in previous conversations too. Like, 
I've made this reference to my neighbor when I first moved to Shenzhen, who was staying in a very modest flat, but then who was driving this um, Lamborghini, Lamborghini, which are, you know, crazy expensive cars. So that was his status symbol. So his home was just like this small plane flat, mm. which was usually like really dirty. But then he was out driving of this, course. like, crazy expensive car. So you would imagine seeing him out and about. He had, like, always the newest phone, awesome, like, watches on, nice clothes. He was always going to the gym and, like, taking all these steroids. And then he's, like, driving <laughs> yeah. this Lamborghini. So if you see him out, you imagine, like, whoa, this dude's a multimillionaire. Mm-hmm. But really, it was no. all for show. So it's, like, very oriental mentality i think to like display your wealth to the rest of the world mm. i'm surprised oh the, it, these actually may already exist like services where you can rent out like snazzy cars like that ah. just to impress people maybe that's a business idea i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. so i'm gonna move on to a question which comes from david um so he I can't actually quite remember where this question came from. It was possibly on Facebook, so I'm sorry. Mm. I can't remember. Um, he he asks, um, do you have any advice for working in China teaching English on a student visa? Are you aware of any laws that uh, that say you are not able to earn money while on a student visa and do you have to be enrolled in school there? I'm working with an agency who will provide housing and living and also a small salary. Do you have any suggestions or advice? Thanks so much. So, well, we've talked a bit about both things in separate occasions. Um, initially, actually before I looked into this, my impression was that you couldn't. Um, but uh, since I've done a little bit of research, i found that that's not quite the case. Um, so, shall I, shall I just jump in? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. So, um, I found on a site called ChinaAdmissions.com that actually the law was changed quite recently. I think it was last year. So, um, basically now, some students can work while they study in China, um, either part-time or in the holidays. But prior to that, international students were not permitted to work in China. Um, basically, the rules are you're allowed to take internships, um, or part-time work as long as you get permission from a university and this um, China admissions basically suggested some examples like international students at Central Acad- uh, uh, Academy of Drama are often scouted for roles in Chinese movies <laughs> uh, or students at Beijing Language and Culture University are often used uh, often used to provide support for international companies so they're talking like proper sort of in- internships whereas I'm guessing what David is talking about is more of just like working f- teaching mm-hmm. um, which is uh, I guess not okay <laughs> technically not you can't do that okay you mean just like making you know finding um, your own one-on-one students and getting paid cash in hand I mean yeah, I, 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 sub- I guess that's not, uh, that's against the law, but I guess a lot of people do it. Yeah. I'm not- <laughs> we're on a, we're on a, we're stepping on a fine line here. I feel like we don't want to condone doing anything that's against the law, but we're also aware that everyone does it. So it's like, yeah. it's difficult. Whatever you do, like, here's our disclaimer. You're doing it at your own risk. <laughs> yeah. And don't <laughs> say the two white chicks said you could do it. <laughs> um, 
I'm a little bit confused about his question because it sounds like he's going to be coming to China through an agency, but that the right. agency is offering him a student visa. Yeah, I yeah, I was also not sure how that how that worked. Like, is he getting a job first and then sort of wanting to study on the side? Whereas I guess I'm looking at it in a different way. Whereas you come as a student and then you you work on the side, which to mm-hmm. me makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think with the student visa, they have pretty strict rules as to like how many hours you have to spend in the classroom, Definitely. and they take attendance. Um, was Barrett on a student visa yeah, before? Yeah, he was. And if I remember rightly, it's as you said, it's quite strict. Like, if you don't attend a certain amount of classes, they'll just cancel the visa. Mm-hmm. And unlike teach, uh, you know, uh, work visas, where things can be a bit more lax depending on the company you work for, uh, they'll just, like, just cut you off. Right, so you must be in the classroom. You can't just that's, say you're studying or, like, go to a couple classes a week and then, yeah. you know, be able to do what you want. Definitely. Yeah, so they'll take attendance every day that you're at school, and if you don't meet the... I don't know what the regulation is, but it's a certain amount of hours. It's basically, you need to go to school seriously and yeah, as, like, full-time, sure. basically. Uh, yeah, I think it depends on, what like, the cost, whether you're on full uh, part-time or full-time, mm-hmm. like, how many hours you need to turn up. But, yeah, they're definitely, um, they're definitely, like, taking attendance and stuff. Yeah, so you definitely can't just, like, get the student visa and then completely not go to, like, not attend the school and just yeah. be working on it. Um, if it is the case that the agency is providing a student visa, I would say, screw that agency. Mm, At the very least, like, yeah, I mean, we've discussed a little bit about agencies in the past, like, pretty much all of them are going to screw you. Um, but they can still have some positive, like, I came through an agency in the beginning, um, I definitely got screwed over, like, the school was paying more than twice, to the agency. Yeah, to the agency, and then the agency was giving me, like, next to nothing. So, basically, mm-hmm. they were just collecting every month, and I was doing all the work. Yeah. Which was my own naivety, but um, I I at least had a work, like, a proper work visa when I did that, and I think if you're going through an agency at the bare minimum, bare minimum, you should get a work visa. Yeah, definitely. I mean... <laughs> They should at least handle that for you if they're going to be collecting a lot of money from you. Mm. Um, I also just kind of jotted down some other questions that you need to throw at the agency before you... We've Again, we've mentioned this before, but since it's brought up in this uh, question again, I'll just give, you some, give people some basic guidelines. So you want to ask the agency as many questions as you can think of, um, including where exactly is the school and what is the name of the school? Because... Uh, at the agency that I was working for, they said, like, oh, you'll be teaching in Chengdu. But actually, Chengdu can be considered, like, a region. And so it can be... So I actually wasn't in Chengdu proper. I Mm. was in, like, a... a, I don't know if you would call it a suburb. But it was um, basically another city that was 45 minutes from Chengdu. Mm -hmm. And so... I thought I would be in that city, but I was not. So make sure you know the name of the school um, so that they can't go back later and say... Because they just told me really vaguely, like, oh, yes, for sure, you'll be in Chengdu, and I just believe them. But had I asked for the name of the school, I could have literally, like, looked at a map myself and found it um, and realized where it was. Mm. I would also ask them to send you photos of the school if possible and also 
definitely photos of the apartment that they're offering. Yeah. That kind of saved me because I, I asked them for photos of the apartment because they also said, oh, we'll provide you with housing. And they had basically a few apartments available for the teachers, and they had shown me the photos for the best one. <laughs> and so when all these teachers arrived, they had to give me that the best apartment because mm -hmm. they had already promised me that one in yeah. the photos. And so that kind of, okay. like, guaranteed that I got a nicer place. Yeah. You also want to ask if you're going to be sharing with somebody because I thought I would get the apartment to myself. Yeah. I did not. Um, so I had to share, which ended up... You know, I didn't know who I was staying with. Ended up kind of being a problem. Um, but anyway, I lived through it. Also, you want to know exactly what the hours are for that you'll be working and how many students are in the class. I had 60 students in one class with no teaching assistants. Mm. Middle school students. 60 middle school students. Imagine doing that if you spoke their language, let alone you're just some random yeah. foreigner coming in. I don't know how you managed it for yet. It was it was mental. <laughs> um, find out if you have any work outside, like office hours, or if you have to do any other duties beyond those classes. Um, and then, yeah, just I guess just to re-emphasize, re make sure that they're giving you a proper work visa. Because if they're going to be taking a lot of money from you, which they are every month, the very least you want to get is yeah. is a proper work visa. So if the deal is, oh, they'll bring you in on a student visa and then you can do some work for them, screw that. Yeah, right. <laughs> screw that. Yeah, because you'd be better off, like, um, I'm not sure. Obviously, it depends on the where in the country you be living. Um, but I imagine that the... Um, the fees, like the the like, if you if it's if it's a uh, if you will be studying in like in a proper university, you could probably pay for those fees and earn more money on the side instead of going through university. Mm -hmm. um, my, I was also thinking, just this just popped into my head that I hadn't thought before we started to record was that some time ago we came across or someone brought to our attention some sort of company that were. I'm trying to remember the details, like offering an awesome deal, like where you got paid to study. Do you remember that? Ages ago. And yeah. we were actually contacted by the guy who runs the company who said it was legit. Um, but I haven't heard anything more of it. Like no one else has mentioned it. Um, and so it could be something like that. Okay. Um, possibly, but I, I can't quite remember the details. Yeah, I think... Uh, it's also what you're willing to do. Like, for me, for that first year in China, um, yes, I was being ripped off, but at the end of the day, I had enough money to, to survive. survive off of, and I actually ended up coming back with some money. I still f left a sour taste in my mouth just when I realized, actually, how much that they were just pocketing yeah. of what, I, like, what the school was paying for me. Mm. Um, but I still came out of the experience with, you know, some great mem memories and certainly a firmer grasp on China and all of its... Lesson learned, right? Yeah, lesson definitely learned. Yes. But didn't deter me. I'm still here, like, <laughs> seven years after that. now you can pass the story on to our listeners. Yeah, <laughs> I can. So, yeah, there are some companies that do offer... I know there's... Even here, they have, like, a, an exchange. So you come... You study and then you teach. So it's like a balance. They have you teaching for mm. a, certain, um, a certain number of hours per week. And then you're studying another amount of hours. And they provide housing for you and a salary, like a small salary right. as well. 
that's uh those those kind of things do exist it's not like if you see it it's it's going to be be, complete nonsense Mm -hmm. um just be aware that for sure the agency is cleaning up otherwise they wouldn't bother with having you come over yeah um i was thinking if you are planning on coming over on a student visa and working i had some like tips Mm -hmm. for ways that you can do that okay like we said uh it's a gray area yeah (laughs) so my first tip is avoid working at schools or training centers Okay. If you're on a student visa, because technically you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, and you're more likely to get caught in those Right, places. like the police will often visit, like they did earlier this week when they came looking for me. Um, they'll often raid the training centers and um, have everybody hand over their documents. And if you're yeah. caught teaching at a school or training center without proper visa, you can have a huge fine and also get on the blacklist so mm-hmm. it can be more difficult to get a visa later or they can even deport you depends on yeah. what how they feel yeah basically how they're feeling or how tight you know sometimes they want to make examples out of people so you don't want to mess around with that so if you are going to be doing that i would more recommend that you do one-on-one private classes mm-hmm. um if you're doing one-on-one private classes here it's pretty easy i think to find um, students who are willing to pay you for, for sure. your services. In Shenzhen, like, the minimum that you would ask for per hour, I think it's probably more than this now, but, like, very minimum would be 200 yeah. RMB per hour. Yeah. Um, most people will even charge 250 or 3 nowadays, but um, don't accept less than 200 per hour. Mm. Um, you want to focus on conversation because that seems to be the thing that's really lacking in the schools. Like a lot of people, they have a good handle on like um, reading and writing, but then they have a really big problem with conversation, mm. which is actually, I think, the easiest thing to teach um, yeah. more casually. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of classified websites in English that have um, jobs like posts for jobs and a lot of them will have a section that's specifically for people who are looking for either language exchange or for mm. a one-on-one tutor so check those out meet in a public place just be smart about it yeah although really i mean i i totally like agree that to uh to find jobs there as mm-hmm. well but often often enough once you make some contacts and you'll find like people will be asking you like oh can you teach me can you teach english no. mm-hmm. depending on where you are too. Yeah, like shenzhen sure. is pretty saturated with foreigners now compared to other cities but yeah. even before in shenzhen people would just like approach me on the street and mm-hmm. be like do you teach english i'm looking for a tutor for my daughter yeah. blah 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 even in the building that you live in yeah i bet there'll be people who will say oh you know we, can you teach my son, daughter, cat, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're right. Like, once you get a few, let's say, clients, it's pretty easy mm-hmm. to grow the business from there, especially if you're doing good work. Um, speaking of the actual, like, structure of one-on-one classes, I would just, to make it easier on yourself, it'd be better if you could find a book or a set curriculum to work with instead of just, like, making up each time what you want to do. Um, yeah. I kind of learn that the hard way like each time I would do the private classes it would be like I just pick a topic and prepare something by myself but then I would end up spending more time doing the preparation than actually teaching yeah so it doubled my workload if I had found a decent book with exercises in it I mean I don't 
advocate just sticking exclusively to the book. Definitely let things flow naturally, especially if you're doing conversational teaching. But it at least gave some kind of a structure and didn't make me like have to pull things out of thin air every yeah. time. So yeah, that's which is really not helpful. everyone's fault. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Uh, and the final note that I had about like as a tip for teaching um, English while you're studying is just to be aware of the location. Like most Chinese cities are really big. So even in Shenzhen, so Shenzhen has like three central districts, but even within the same district, the travel distance could be like if you're taking public transportation, it could potentially be like a half an hour, 35 minutes, 40 minutes, depending if it's like on the far end of the district. So if you're going to be going to people's homes or in people's areas to teach, it can get really exhausting if you're constantly like commuting Definitely. from one place to the other. Mm -hmm. So if you can find, like Holly is saying, one of the one of the best ways of setting up your business is literally trying to find people in your own gardens. Yeah. Which, if you live in a decently sized complex, is not that hard to do. Mm -hmm. You just kind of let it spread like word of mouth. You can even ask the people, hey, just so you know, I have time available. If you know anybody else who's looking for a tutor, I'm available yeah. here. Um, so, yeah, you want to use your your the, the near location first before like traveling halfway across the city to do teaching yeah i think we've all done that haven't we like yeah fact, you end up all over the place and that's the most tearing part to be honest even mm -hmm. you end up only with you might have plenty of classes but you spend half your day traveling around exactly i've definitely had those made that mistake where it's like ah oh, the deal sounds good but then i realize that it takes me 45 minutes or an hour to get to the place yeah. yeah or you have to like your classes are close together so you have to take a cab across the city which sometimes will take longer because it's rush hour mm -hmm. or i mean taxis in this city are not that expensive but they it sure adds up like if you're if you're on 200 an hour or whatever and you're paying i don't know 25 for a cab every time it's yeah it's into your salary that it does definitely mm. so uh i can i i don't know if i, if you're I just rattle off on. what i had oh, to say pretty much i hope it's i hope it's useful but yeah, yeah. yeah those were my the tips that i came across just from my own experience teaching cool yeah i like it i i, I looked i went in another direction and i oh, nice. looked at more about stu uh like foreigners studying in china oh so i just i just found some information and i found it quite interesting because there's actually been a like an increase quite a large increase in foreigners studying in china not just studying chinese but all all subjects and um I found there was some like uh, uh, the foreign policy had sort of d done some sort of poll about Americans in particular studying in China, and most of these Americans are like first time. Uh, they're the first person in the family to study abroad, actually, mm -hmm. and it was it was interesting because they were saying most of them, you know, it improved their opinion of China and um, they were enthusiastic to work in China afterwards. Um, although not to start businesses, which I found quite interesting, hmm. um, which leads me on to uh, China trying to basically keep uh, international students within China. And so last year they, they, they changed some of the laws to make it easier for foreign foreigners to get jobs after graduating in China. Oh. Uh, so because they, they want people to stick around, just like, um, you know, that we've talked in the past about this sort of, 
I don't know if it's controversy, but about um, Chinese people studying abroad and then uh, those who don't go back to China are sort of shunned a little bit by their families. Like it's not, it's not proper. They want you to go back, not just for the family, but also like China wants Chinese people to go back to take the skills that they've learned and put them back in China, which makes complete sense. Um, so they also want to do the same with with foreigners. So this this article I found on the Global Times uh, was um, uh, was from April last year, and basically this was um, about the Peking University um, hosted their first like. Um, job fair for foreign uh, foreign students who were graduating, and it, apparently they had over seventeen hundred foreign students from a hundred countries who were interested in finding jobs in China, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, that's a high number. Yeah, um, and prior to this, so there was a guy um, Jeffrey who was quoted. He's the co-founder of Intern in Beijing, um, and so he said. Basically, it's it's difficult for people to get jobs directly after graduation because you actually need to you need two years work experience to get a work visa in China, which is very complicated. Mm-hmm. But actually, there were two changes made. So if you graduate um, with a master's degree in China, you don't need the two years experience, um, and also um, students who graduate from Beijing. I don't know if this is if this is there are more um, uh, cities who are doing this now, but you can start a business as a part-time activity um, as long as your university gives you consent, um, and they can basically call it a startup, and you're allowed to do it that way. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I wonder these students who are studying at Beijing University there. Studying along with Chinese students in Chinese? Is I, that what's... I don't know. I didn't delve that far into it. Because that's hardcore. I mean, even after yeah. having been in China for so long and... Okay, granted, I'm not like a super dedicated student when it comes to learning Chinese characters, but mm. uh, to study something in another... In oh, Chinese, no, yeah. Like to write essays on something and... Like I have a friend who... Um, She's also been in China. She's even been in China longer than I have, and she reads and writes Chinese better than I do. And she tried to, she she also had the idea to go study um, in in uh, Dalian, mm-hmm. in the university there. Yeah. And even she was like, "This is mental." She couldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's an added challenge, like because they're like writing things. Because it's not just being able to read and write like plain text in Chinese, like. You have to be able to also decipher shorthand and like, you know, like they're writing stuff on the blackboard and it's so hard to tell which characters they actually are, let alone like if you had them written plainly in front of you. So I don't know. It's a pretty big challenge. I'm curious to know if these students are studying Chinese, like they're studying just Chinese, if they're on some kind of separate track that's specific for foreign students or if the there are actually this number of people who yeah. are capable of studying something yeah, in Chinese and right, I'm like right. wow yeah. really impressive I'm yeah uh, uh, yeah I'm not sure it didn't actually say what uh, maybe it did and I didn't I just maybe skimmed the article but uh, I'm not sure hmm. and do we have any idea are any of them in this group like are they ethnically Chinese at all or they all seem to be like 
Because I wonder if some of them are, like, born in the mm-hmm. U.S. or born abroad, and then their parents send them back to China for university. Are they part of this group? Uh, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but the article focused on... Because um, they were also talking about some of the, um, like, issues of, say for, say, for example, students who come from, like... Um, India and stuff like that, where they were saying, "Oh, like my, you know, my face, the color of my face is a problem to get a job after graduation, that mm. kind of thing." So they they were they did focus on like uh, the people they were talking to were not ethnically Chinese, as mm-hmm. far as I could see. Okay, yeah, because I think also there's a lot of Korean and Japanese students as well, and I, again, that's also different. Like if you're studying Chinese after you speak. Japanese as your native language, it's obviously much yeah. easier because you're familiar with a lot of the characters. Right. And it's just like you share some similar history, you just have ex- a lot of exposure, maybe you watch some Chinese shows or movies, so you just have more, it's easier to grip onto the language. But as like, just say an average American who is just from like a, let's say European mm-hmm ancestry coming to china for the first time it would take a lot of effort to be able to study in chinese a new subject and to get a master's degree yeah it's yeah that's hardcore right so i'm just curious about actually like if i if we pick apart these statistics how many are actually like this and how many are asians are like already asians (laughs) i think it makes a big difference yeah i'm sure it does i I mean yeah i remember when barrett was studying at shenzhen he said the majority of his classmates were korean Mm -hmm. and japanese (laughs) yeah that's what my sister bethany said too she said uh and and they also they um they don't seem to have an understanding how different it is to teach Mm -hmm. the chinese characters to a Korean or a Japanese student versus um, somebody from the West. Like, they were just basically dumping all these characters on them and expecting yeah. them to memorize right. them, which, like, for the reasons that already were stated, would be easier for people who are Asian than people who had never had exposure or, or you know, with a language that has completely separate logic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hardcore. So that's, like, also a complaint that I've heard from multiple people who study Chinese at universities here is that a lot of the other students are not from similar backgrounds, so it makes it really hard. Yeah. Yeah, and as you say, they definitely don't cater for, like, Western mm-hmm. students, I don't think. It's just like a free-for-all. You just dumped in there. Mm-hmm. Get on with it. You chose to learn this subject. Well, even in general, I think even for those other, like, students from Japan, students from Korea, whatever, I think it's also not ideal for them. I think... Chinese as a second language doesn't have a very developed system for how to do it mm. effectively for people who are not yeah. native, like who are yeah. coming from a completely different linguistic background. Like in the Chinese schools here, they just teach them through rote memorization, just like if you write this character a thousand times, then yeah. you'll remember it. And okay, that's fair enough in the short term but if you try to do that for you know you need at least four thousand characters in your vocabulary to be able Mm -hmm. to read it at the most basic level four thousand so yeah you could potentially write it one thousand times but then in the midst of you writing the next character one thousand times and you begin to forget the ones that you've already learned it's just Mm -hmm. not a very good system actually i wrote an article recently for writtenchinese.com which was like my idea of how to remember the characters which i use like 
kind of silly. It's kind of a silly approach to it, but it really works for me. It's like picking apart the characters into their radicals and then like creating a story around the character. And that for me has worked really well. Um, you can check that out if you're interested, but it, it, like just in a nutshell, the, the way that they teach, I don't know. I even approached some of the professors in the States at universities that I was able to contact, um, who were teaching Chinese as a second language and asked them about their methods. And it, they also seem, cause most of those professors were also Chinese. And so it seems like there are very few teachers who understand what it takes to be able to like package Chinese as a written language into digestible chunks for foreigners to understand. Yeah. This is, I'm speaking completely like, uh, with very little knowledge, but my impression is there is no method. Mm -hmm. It's just, he's the character. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, there is no, there is no method. You just expect it to write stuff down. And, I've I've also kind of experienced that with with just like other te like just sort of normal teachers like that I've had, not all of them, but that they were unable to explain to me why why something was the way it was, you know. I wanna for me to understand how to use it, like this, uh, create this sentence. I need to understand like why why is it the way it is. Don't tell me no why. Like I wanna, I wanna understand it so I can do it again, not so I can replicate this. Yeah, the it's asking like, well, why no, no, is such the, a foreign it's just thing. How it is. Yeah, exactly. That's like when not you the ask way them, they don't understand that you need something like something logical to gra right. grab onto. Right. Otherwise, it's just kind of like mm -hmm. goes right through you. And there's that like Chinesey, you know, it's right. like all oh, the raids are like mm -hmm. Chinese made easy, and they had like these. Okay, like the the concept is really cute. It's, like. It's just, Oh, look at this character. It looks like a tree. Okay, fair enough. But hey, you know what? That character is not used for tree in modern Chinese. Right. And by the way, most Chinese characters are not pictograms That's or pictographs right. or however you say it. So like, in theory, when you look at, and she, like the Chinese, Chinesey girl, she's got all these really beautiful graphics and props to her because yeah, they look gorgeous nice. and it yeah. does look simple, but realistically speaking it's not getting you anywhere mm -hmm. because most of those that look like what they mean aren't even used in today's right. Chinese. at least they're not used in the way that you think yeah 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 she say like oh this character's for tree but if you want to say a tree in chinese it's not Different, only yeah. is it a separate character but it's a combination of two characters mm -hmm. neither of which look like a tree so it's yeah it's um it's definitely more complicated than you think. Yeah, in those in that respect, like it's, I, I see, yeah I mean I I I see where her con like I understand her concept, mm -hmm. but yeah there's more like you need to you need some understanding of the Chinese language like you can't just open the book and be like oh yeah tree like, yeah uh, and then and then think that you can just say that character and it means tree you, you i think you need more of an understanding of the chinese language oh definitely definitely not to mention she also does a traditional characters only and so that adds another layer because in mainland china they use simplified i would characters. be interested to know if there are a lot if there are people out there and i'm sure there are i'm sure we're gonna get uh, well i'm hoping we'll get like inundated by people saying well i've used chinese to learn chinese um, if I'm, I'm curious to know if it's been successful. Doubt it. Because I like say no. I, I, I feel I, so confident I, that it's not. Well, I'm that, sorry. But well, that's no. what, um, that's what I'm also thinking. But I'm curious. I'm curious to know because I I actually have one of the books. Like, I, or, I don't know how many there are. I have the book or a, a book, 
And the pictures are really pretty, but I've never opened it and thought, oh, I'm going to learn Chinese from this book. Mm -mm. They just look really cute, as you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel bad because I feel like we just diss Chinese here a lot. I know, it's just, I, I think I'm more <laughs> harsh on them too because, like, for so long it was like, oh, it's this revolutionary new way to learn Chinese. Like, look at how simple it is. It's really not. It's really not like that. It's just like it, they think that it's... You think it's a shortcut or something like that, but at the end of the day, you still have to go through the work. There are so many characters in Chinese which have no, like, you can't find the root. You can't find the pictograph. You can't, mm -hmm. it's just, it is what it is. Just like in English, we have symbols to represent numbers and letters. It's just taken for granted that they mean what they are. It's, it's like that in Chinese, too. There are some things that literally, like, there's no... There, there's, it just, yeah, there's no, like, logic behind it. So you have to kind of form your own logic, which is what I was trying to explain in the article that I wrote recently, which is, like, how I've, over the last eight years, kind of developed my own little system for remembering things. And for me, it works really well. I don't know. It's kind of, like, a little bit silly, like, <laughs> and uh, strange. But for me, it works really well. Any better than any of the other systems that I've found. But we're always looking for new stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like tie it back into the question. <laughs> so if you are studying in Chinese universities, just be aware that um, it's not going to be probably a cakewalk. A cakewalk? Yeah. What's a cakewalk? Ah, just something easy. A piece oh, of cake. A piece of cake. A yeah. cakewalk. Cakewalk. Oh, that's new one on me. Yeah. Cool. Kind of an outdated expression, I think. But. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, um, do we have anything to add for David? I think we've, I guess, we're not really 100% sure what his situation is, but hopefully we've addressed two angles. Mm -hmm. I don't know, hopefully that's a bit helpful. Or Maybe. helpful for anyone else who is considering coming and studying and working at the same time. Yeah. And maybe, like, we can just um, reiterate, like, what we've said in previous episodes. Um, you don't need to have a work visa to come over to China. Like, what we've recommended before is that people get a tourist visa and come and see what it's like. Um, because you can always apply for a work, like, a company. You can find a company to sponsor your work visa once you're here. So you don't need to have everything together. You can literally just, like... Find some hostels online and get a tourist visa and come over. Mm -hmm. And then once you're here, you can connect with other foreigners, figure out what the situation is. It depends. City by city is going to be different. But that's the best way to do it rather than trusting some random agency who's going to basically yeah. screw you. And then you'll be locked into them for the year or whatever. And then your visa is going to be tied to them. So you're kind of stuck in that sense. Um, so... I, I don't know. You can either do the student thing or you can do a tourist thing, short time, short term, and then decide what to do once your visa is, is up. Like, if you've never been to China before, you can just save up a little bit of money, stay in a hostel for that month or whatever to try mm -hmm. and get yourself sorted and figure out what next to do. I find that's way better. So I, I recommend hostels just because you'll, you'll see other foreigners there and yeah. be able to connect and... Um, gain from their knowledge because you won't find the information online for yeah, the most part. There's only so much research you can do and um, yeah I, I think there's so much 
that's not said like if you talk to agents online i i remember i, I did the same thing i went backwards and forwards with some agents but i always felt like they would give me the runaround and never really tell me exactly how it was going to be so i'm I'm glad that i just arrived and just did it that way mm-hmm. yeah mm. yeah definitely just ask a lot of questions ask yeah. people i mean you can be direct you yeah. can say like when you meet people, like, what do you think the average salary is here that yeah. would be acceptable? Like, have you worked on a student? Be- like, ask people when you get here rather mm-hmm. than trying to find all the information for yourself on, like, from, like, random online sources. Right. And then it's also, like, Western versus Eastern thinking. I feel like in the West, we just, like, go Google it. And then we just find all the right. information ourselves. But in China, they really rely on networks. So when you come to China, you need to learn how to do the same right. thing. And I, I think, I imagine this is the same in most cities where there's a decent, uh, like, foreign population. Um, even though you're in a big city, people know each other. And people know agents, like, um, t- teachers here, they'll know agents and they'll say, oh, like, they'll tell you, warn you away from certain agents and say, oh, like, she does this or watch out for this one. Like, if you ask people, I'm sure they'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think asking people, even about, like, uh, sort of the price of rent in the area and that kind of thing, because you need to think about that too. Because mm-hmm. most schools, if you were work at a school for example they're not going to give you accommodation unless you're out somewhere in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. but i think you're always going to get taken advantage with things like that it's there's always some in my opinion there's all like if they offer you this this and this like if they offer you accommodation i feel like there's always some sort of something dodgy going on yeah i probably have like three roommates and the place is really shabby and it doesn't have a its own toilet it's like shared toilet on like for the whole yeah. floor and so, yeah. yeah, you never know what what it's gonna be like. So you wanna, if you are gonna go through an agency, you wanna ask as many as questions as possible with photos, and be aware that they're really good at making the photos look so nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember when Barrett first came here. He was in Bowen, which relates back to you saying like, because, like even if you're in a big city, like I know your school was actually outside of the city, but in Shenzhen, like there were lots of districts which are really quite far it's better now because of the metro system has expanded since then but he was out in the sticks and his accommodation was like some aban like it it was like an abandoned hospital that the <laughs> the school had just purchased and they were going to sort of renovate it but he said he slept on like a um i don't know what you would call it like a um a wheelie bed thing oh, no. for ages yeah, oh no mentally yeah super creepy mm. yeah uh, I just want to close out by saying I found this um, this blog called the study abroad blog and um, the guy who writes the blog wrote about his first day in he was going to studying at Beijing University and he, he wrote down all the things that he discovered like on his first day and he writes a lot of things that we've all we've talked about in the past but uh, my favorite point was i can take a girl to pizza hut and it would be considered a good day <laughs> i just want to end that on that note because so i thought funny. it was great i love that <laughs> yeah pizza hut's like so in you know they always have it a is. line out the door they have such weird pizzas yeah such weird like with mayonnaise and like ch- like what are those weird. maraschino cherries on top <laughs> so weird so weird and they love it they just love it they do um Nora do you have a word of the 
episode for us? I do. Um, today's word will be visa because I think that's relevant. So yes, to say visa in Chinese is qian zheng. Qian zheng. So that's Q-I-A-N, the first tone, qian, which by the way is the same qian as for like signing your name. Oh, so yeah, like right. qian ming, to sign your name, or qian zi, also like to sign something. Uh, and then zheng is like a guarantee. So if you put the signing and the guarantee together, it the meaning is like a certificate or mm-hmm. visa. So chen zheng. Cool. Uh, I will link to our dictionary from episode 95. Sweet. Cool. Yeah. So if you've got a question, um, you can go to writtenchinese.com slash episode voicemail. Um, although we don't mind if you send us a written question too, they're also fine. Mm-hmm. No problem. And again, just a reminder, soft reminder to download the Written Chinese soft Dictionary. <laughs> if you haven't done so, and like any feedback on that, if you're learning Chinese, is also really valuable mm-hmm. to us. Um, we do all the tech support, so if you have problems, we are the ones behind the scenes. Let yeah. us know. Just send us a message at support at writtenchinese.com. Yeah. Um, if you have features that you want added to the apps... Let us know. We're always keeping a wish list of stuff that we want to mm-hmm. improve the app. So check it out if you're learning Chinese. Yeah. And if not, it's cool. Thanks for listening to us <laughs> rant on about China. <laughs> yeah, we did a good one on Chinese. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So uh, join us again next week for episode 96. See ya. Bye. <laughs>